0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's show on Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, which, by the way, folks, that's a once-in-a-millennium occurrence, the whole 2-2-2-2 two, 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 two thing. Uh, the only thing that would, uh, would be rarer it will occur 200 years from now. On February 2nd, 2,222, which uh, based on the story you were telling me as we were pre-gaming, Aaron, is about the time Channing Tatum will will watch Marvel movies again. Can can you explain? Well, it all
1: depends on uh, casting in the future, but we'll find out. So uh, Mm -hmm. recently, Variety had spoke with Channing Tatum, and he had revealed that he can no longer watch Marvel movies anymore after the Gambit movie was canceled. So, back in ye olden day, when Fox was still Fox, and the X-Men were still allowed to be a thing, there was a a rumor called the Gambit movie. Now, for many Mm -hmm. years, the rumor mill continued to grind out reassurances that this would actually happen and be a thing. Mm -hmm. And this is where I drop in the Ron Howard narrator from Arrested Development (laughs) saying, But it wasn't. (laughs) Okay. Anyways... Channing Tatum, (laughs) he doesn't know anything about uh, Spider-Man Far From Home or the Eternals or the Diz Plus shows like Hawkeye and Loki and all that. So, out of an abundance of caution, should you run into Channing Tatum out in the wilds, please do not try and make small talk utilizing Marvel content. That is spoiler material for the the time being. Uh, Continue this Channing Tatum Marvel info embargo until he is once again cast as a Marvel hero. And then he once again has the confidence to watch an MCU film, uh, whether by himself or with friends. But uh, yeah, whether it be 2022 or 2,222, Jim, I I will not predict. I just don't want to spoil anything should Mm -hmm. one of our listeners run into Channing Tatum and try and make small talk using Marvel info.
0: Now, speaking of, of not spoiling, you were very kind uh, earlier tonight, again, while we were uh, discussing what to talk about tonight, about the M.J. Black Cat uh, comic book crossover, which evidently has been causing quite a stir. Do you want to talk about that? It did. It lit up
1: Twitter for like a whole minute and a half. No, mm-hmm. it was like a full day where, where people were chatting about And Three things are what brought this to people's attention. Uh, mm-hmm. the, well, the title, first off, is just called Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond and uh the three things that stood out is that mj ends up getting into one of felicia's black cat costumes and and the fanboys you know when you see your chocolate and peanut butter you know what's up all right moving on uh number two felicia says that mj has a dump truck booty (laughs) which was really funny uh and uh then finally pete wakes up With both MJ and Felicia standing at his bedside and he ends up muttering, ah, this dream again. Go easy on me, ladies. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) it looks like they're, they're looking to have a riotous good time with this title, Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond. They've got like, I swear, almost half a dozen alt covers. Mm-hmm. for even issue number one right now. So by all means, go to your local comic book store and look at all the various uh, different cover art that they have for it. Because some are are very cute and whimsical. Some are drawn to be sexy because he obviously got MJ in the Black Cat costume and whatnot. But uh, fans seem to really, really enjoy it. And the main thrust of the story was that uh, MJ becomes the Black Cat for a little while as she helps Felicia Hardy to quote, spoilers redacted, end quote. And you know how it goes with them spoilers redacted cases, Jim. So much oh. could happen.
0: Oh, okay, I, I'm going to have to chase this one down.
1: That sounds like a hoot.
0: Well, alright. Speaking of Spider-Man related stuff, what a surprise. Spider-Man No Way Home was number one at the box office this past weekend. again, That said, the Nor'easter that rolled through uh, this part of New England last Saturday kept theaters closed in much of this part of the country, which depressed ticket sales for that John Watts film. So seventh weekend in North American theaters, Spider-Man No Way Home sells 11 million worth of tickets, which is enough to bump up domestic ticket sales for this film to $735.9 million, which puts this Sony Columbia Pictures release within $25 of matching the domestic box office of James Cameron's Avatar, which sold 760.5 million tickets back in late 2009, early 2010. But the big news is this past weekend, No Way Home blew through the billion-dollar barrier internationally, which is significant given that this film hasn't officially shown in China yet. Wait a minute. Is it because it somehow offended China in some
1: unfortunate way, or is it just not gotten there yet?
0: It's actually the Chinese government literally said, Oh, sounds lovely. We just don't have an open spot.
1: Oh, because you're the more a uh, percentage of the movies have to be Chinese, and they only have a very limited number of windows for uh, foreign films.
0: There we go. Huh. So, but is it, you know, the whole notion of this has only really become. Issue. This sort of tightening began, I want to say, two years ago. It's a genuine point of frustration because it just seems to be so random as to which films actually do make it in. The,
1: the film that beat Spider-Man in, in was uh, directed by uh, Jeffrey Berkowitz and was called My Favorite Muffalata, My Travels to New Orleans. <laughs> And, uh, he just filed a little bit sooner and they're like, yeah, okay. There's nothing else going on. And then, oh, Spider-Man was coming out. You didn't tell us. We got this mm-hmm. muffled movie going on right now. Sorry
0: guys. Wah-wah. Yeah, But I feel like indirect response to keep doing the numbers. Cause again, right now. Worldwide box office for uh, Spider-Man stands at one billion seven hundred and thirty million dollars worth of tickets sold. I mean, do you that's know
1: how many billion dollar earners does that make this for Marvel all told? Now,
0: I want Six? to say it's actually closer to ten, but I'll ha- I'll Holy have to cow. check on that. That said, though, I want as relief for this endless numbers talk. You found a wonderful story related to the Willem Dafoe and his appearance in this film that now yeah. I have to, I have to, I was looking for a reason to go back to see no way home. And now you've given to you. So can you explain why other people now must go back to theaters and watch this movie?
1: Well, you know, in the, in the original Spider-Man from 2002, he used to do this creepy smile and mm-hmm. I'm sure like, If I just say Willem Dafoe creepy smile from Spider-Man, we all have the same screenshot in our head of of what that creepy smile is. And I I never knew why it struck me as creepy, but this actually explains a whole lot. It turns out as Willem Dafoe played Norman Osborn, he had a set of uh, fake teeth made that were all perfect and straight and beautiful and lovely. And he would smile and say things like, Oh, I'm something of a scientist myself. (laughs) But then whenever he turned into the green goblin, he'd take out those perfect teeth and use his own personal Willem Dafoe grown teeth. And, uh, his, his, uh, canines are a bit Mm -hmm. longer. So he's got a little bit of a vampire type quality when he, when he smiles there. And, uh, so yeah, he, he actually had a, a, Physical tooth transformation between the two characters. And so I'd thrown up a a, a retweet of that where they have a a screenshot from the original Spider-Man 2002 with normal Norman teeth and then Willem Dafoe goblin teeth and then a comparison shot from Spider-Man No Way Home of Willem's Norman versus Goblin Teeth. And it's the same thing. And I think that is so neat that all these years later, you know, I'm sure Willem was probably sitting in a makeup chair going, you know, I got these teeth back at my house. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would put them in and I'd play Norman, right? And then I take them out and I'm the Goblin. Ah! And they're like, really? Go get them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a cool story. Yeah. Wow. I like it, yeah. But, I, don't know, but I, I also love the fact that, he leaned into that. Oh, the scary teeth, those are mine. We need pretty teeth for Norman.
1: Well, so. you know, I mean, he's he's a, an educated actor, and I'm sure he probably had some sort of Jekyll and Hyde thought process of, you mm-hmm. know, how do you do that transformation? You know, I mean, a lot of it is facial expression mm-hmm. and, and whatnot, but how can you go beyond what you can visit you're physically capable of and you know changing your your dental work is one of those things that people just can't do on a whim like smiling or frowning you gotta you gotta actually do something different like have an appliance made so uh, no I thought it was very thoughtful and, and subtle and it's one of those reasons why when he smiles as the goblin I get creeped out because his perfect teeth are gone and the the crazy Defoe teeth are in it's like what why is that so disturbing oh it's willem Defoe's face that's all
0: <laughs> color, color. I, makes me wonder if they'll make this 25 million between no way home and, and avatars Girl. just on the back of people go well now i gotta go now i gotta look now i gotta see william defoe's teeth but anyway with ticket sales like that we're gonna get a spider-man sequel right obviously yeah.
1: you don't turn the money machine off midstream jim you turn up the heat you make it print faster
0: Well, we'll get to that in a moment when we get to the news. But first, uh, the news portion of this week's edition of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So you're right. You know, with these sort of box office numbers, you think, okay, we are turning the key. We're going to get started cranking up the sequel machine right now, but it, it turns out uh, at least according to the Tom Holland, it's a lot more tentative than you might think. Tom, in a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly, said there's all these stories out there right now about how Spider-Man 4 is going to be yet another team up between Tom Holland and Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Or Spider-Man 4 is going to feature Tom teaming up with a yet unnamed black actor who will play the live action version of Miles Morales. But Holland basically shuts all this loose talk down with this Mm -hmm. Entertainment Weekly interview where he says, when it comes to what's going on between Sony and Marvel Studios and Disney, they're a long way off from deciding what the the fourth installment uh, might be. We've had conversations about the potential future of Spider-Man, but at the moment, they are conversations. Sony and Marvel Studios are certainly thinking of something, but at this moment, I, I don't know what that is
1: actually have a clip of Tom Holland in those conversations. I'm going to play that really quick. Here, here we go. Okay.
0: Yes. I'd like a Maserati
1: dip in gold, please. <laughs> that's the That's all I got. I don't know what Amy Pascal oh, well. or Feige had to say about that, but that's what Tom was looking for, I think.
0: I, I, it's, it's interesting you mentioned this because uh, one of the things that did come out is that uh, Tom's contract with Sony to play Peter Parker did reportedly end with No Way Home, so sure. before production of a fourth film can begin, Sony and and who's actually Mr. holding
1: Holland. the carrot here? Do you think? I, I mean, is it Marvel? Is it Sony? Is it Tom? Who's the one that has the power, really? Do you think? I mean, Sony's going to fund, got to fund the movie, and and Marvel was going to put in twenty five percent. So it seems like Sony's holding the ball, but don't you think Tom could play hardball as well and go? Maybe I don't want to come back. And then Sony's like, oh, wait a minute. We thought we had this in the bag. Hey, kid, where are you going?
0: There's actually two schools of thought. You know about his next film, the the one uh, Uncharted, the one that's based in the video game.
1: Yeah, and I, got a, I got a bad feeling about that because first off, when they tried to do a Halo movie, they did the math and they said basically anyone who ever bought a Halo game, you need to have them buy two tickets mm-hmm. in order to justify the budget for the film. So, no matter how popular Uncharted was as a video game, it's a much smaller number of people that are familiar mm-hmm. with that as a property, as an IP right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, even if you get all of those fans into a theater, you're probably mm-hmm. not going to get your budget back, which means that the general public has to have some interest and in join in on this ride for them to make bank. Mm-hmm. And right now, the the buzz on the trailer is not all super hot. Some people are saying that it looks kind of
0: not awesome okay okay again there's two schools of thought that holland should make the deal for the new spider-man movies before uncharted comes out for much the same reason that you just mentioned you know the to the effect of you know it's only going to hurt his quote if this movie doesn't open well if it underperforms so he has the power right up until February 22nd, when this movie opens on the other hand, if he rolls the dice and a surprising number of people turn out to see Uncharted because they really enjoyed, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home and boy, that Tom Holland, I I like him. I want to go see him in another movie that then hands him the power, at least for that first week that the movie's open. Then, then of course the danger is if you don't make the deal in that moment when you're hot and in weekend two the box office falls off by more than 60%. And that's, that's the magic number these days that if you can hold 60%, Mm -hmm. if you, if it holds, you know, then, okay, you're legit. And, you know, you're an A-lister and, you know, that, that, you know, should be paid accordingly. But again, it's just, It would be fascinating to be in the room and to hear these conversations going on about, do we make this deal ahead of Uncharted opening or after Uncharted opening? I mean, it's easy to get a
1: good feeling for the movie because it's kind of filling this Indiana Jones type void Mm -hmm. at the moment. You know, we haven't Mm -hmm. had like a good... Adventure across the globe romp with, you know, a lead hero who's got the leather jacket and fedora and swagger and all that, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's, it, we just love those, almost like a romancing the stone type vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't had one of those in a while. And it kind of fills that void. And I think a lot of people that like that type of movie experience are mm-hmm. down for that, uh, going to buy a ticket for that. I think your Tom Holland fans are going to go for that. And Mark Wahlberg for crying out loud. He's no chopped liver. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Mark Wahlberg fans will will turn up. And so you've you've got some star power. You've got the video game franchise behind it. It's just that fans can be so darn fickle. And not only can they be fickle, they can be vocal. And man, if it doesn't hit on all cylinders, they're going to just scream bloody murder and it won't
0: help. What's also fascinating though about the Tom Holland situation is remember while his contract with Sony is supposedly up with the release of No Way Home he still has his deal with Disney and Marvel Studios. And there's an understanding that Tom's character is going to appear in a couple of MCU things coming up. But what I find intriguing about that, Aaron, is from a story point of view, we just erase the memory of Peter Parker, right? You yeah. know, the, at the end of that movie. Yeah. So how exactly... Does he come back in if nobody knows who he is? Because it's, don't we basically start with film four with, oh, you know. Uh, No,
1: no, no. no. See, that's, you're you're asking the question wrong. You're assuming that they have to know he's Peter Parker to be part of the club. They don't need to know that. They just need to know that Spider-Man exists, that Spider-Man is a hero on the side Mm -hmm. of good and right. He's your local friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and Mm -hmm. they need help. And who could help us but that spider dude? They don't need to know necessarily that he's Peter Parker and that they were already once chummy-chummy in a previous life. Mm-hmm. They just need to know they need his help and, and somehow... They need to find a way to get a hold of him That's the challenge there is getting a hold of the person. You don't know whose secret identity
0: it is. Interesting. I did not think of it from that point yeah. of view. I
1: mean, after all, Spider-Man offered his help to the Avengers the first time when, he, when they were doing their battles. He like, I, hey, guys, I can help. I can. I'm, I'm sticky. I can stick to stuff. Wasn't that like the line <laughs> that he had when he was trying to explain how he can help out in the battle? <laughs> so, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, oh. they didn't know he was Peter then. They just knew that he was sticky, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Wow, okay. But again, to just sort of shine a bit of a spotlight on the status of like Sony's technically rap, but hes still got the deal with Disney. So this is something that Tom shared with uh, Hollywood Reporter in December of last year. It's like the deal between these two studios is if Marvel needs me to appear in one of their movies, There needs to be a conversation between Mr. Iger and Mr. Rothman. I I don't think it's as black and white as I have a three-picture deal with Marvel and I have a three-picture deal with Sony. By the way, obviously, the Mr. Iger that Holland is referring to is Bob Iger, the former head of Walt Disney Studios. Mr. Rothman, that's Tom Rothman, the chairman of Sony Pictures Motion Picture Group. Tom's been in that role since 2015, and prior to that, he was the chairman and CEO of Fox Film Entertainment. And uh, for, for a lot of years in the the 2000s, and there were a few executives in Hollywood who were seasoned and have sort of the practical work experiences of of a, of a Tom Rothman. Whereas Bob J. Beck, again is the guy who who picked a fight with Scarlett Johansson. No, He's got all paid. the charm
1: of a ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: also remember he's the, the one who ticked off Samu Lu, the star of, of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. And, and with the, the interesting thing is, there was all, that was all within one month's time. I mean, people forget that. Chapek made that comment at the quarterly earnings call. I remember it was all about how Shang-Chi was going to be in theaters for 45 days and then go straight over to the D- Disney Channel and, or excuse me, Disney+. Plus. And Chapek in his nerdy financial wonk speak was the effect of, you know, well, that's an interesting data point. And that just set off, uh, you know, Samu, who, by the way, is really supposedly a very sweet, hard to anger guy. Did you see? He's actually written a book. It's called We Were Dreamers. It's an immigrant superhero origin story. This is actually coming out from Harper Collins on May 3rd of this year. And it supposedly builds off of the diary that Samu kept during the whole Shang-Chi experience. In fact, he posted the first page on Twitter, which I'm going to read now. Uh, The call that would forever alter the course of my life came in a hot July afternoon in Toronto as I was lounging in my underwear eating a bag of shrimp crackers. I had flown to New York and screen tested for Marvel Studios just two days prior It was desperately trying to pass the time until they made the decision. Uh, uh, this particular day... I had finished my scenes at Kim's Convenience. Uh, that's the Canadian TV show, the sitcom that the I was appearing in at that time. Um, I, I finished the, the uh, scenes for Kim's Convenience early in the morning and had gotten some shut eye. But after returning home, I, I had barely woken up and had cracked a bag of crispy fried treats when my phone lit up with a call. And he shows what it said on the phone it said, unknown number, Burbank, California. And said, ordinarily, wouldn't have it batted it an eyelash. Could have been a friend I'd forgotten to save into my phone, or my manager calling from a remote office, or a Nigerian prince desperately searching for a place to sash his money. But this day is different. This day, my mind exploded because I knew exactly who was on the other side, and I knew exactly what he was calling to tell me. My heart pounded furiously. I grabbed my phone and yelled, shriek, the most unattractive hello you can imagine. And then he ends with the undescribably divine voice of Kevin Feige answers back. So, just from the undescribably divine voice of uh, Kevin Feige, now I got to go find an interview with Kevin Feige and see how divine that voice is.
1: You know, it's weird because the divinity of Mr. Feige's voice increases based on the paycheck he's about to give you. So this is you may probably not as, very true. Yeah you may not find it quite as divine as uh C-MU did, but uh, I'm sure it's a lovely, lovely
0: voice. Well and and more to the point, think about it. This kid gets this call in July of of 2019. And just a few days later, Assam was standing on stage in Hall H at San Diego Comic Con being introduced to 6,000 screaming Marvel fans. He's this relative unknown who's about to, to play Shang-Chi in, in you know the first movie to feature an Asian superhero. You know what? I'm starting to think that's pretty standard
1: for uh, Disney and Marvel's honeymoon period for a new actor because Tom Holland was like, over the course of like a week, it's like, hey, kid, how you doing? What's your name, Tom? And then the next week is, hey, you're in the suit and you're in the movie. And then there have been a couple of other actors like Mark Ruffalo, I think. He didn't find out he was actually the Hulk until they were walking him out into Hall H going, by the way, here's the new Hulk. And he's like, really? Did I make it, guys? Is this how you find out? Jeez. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really, really cut it close from the time the ink is barely even dry to the time they're ushering you out in front of a, a million screaming fans. And, uh, I, th- I think it's just their way of wooing the actor and making them feel loved right off. bat. like, look at this, look at how, how they adore the character, how they adore you. They worship you mm. play Loki for them. Bow before me.
0: <laughs> well, you know, but that's, a, I have been in a couple of these whole age things. And what's so funny is they'll bring out the entire cast. Mm -hmm. And again, it's in front of 6,000 people who are, you know, the hugest Marvel fans on the planet. And I still remember to this day, in fact, you can find the footage of it on YouTube. Tom Hiddleston on stage in his full Loki outfit, extorting the crowd in character, you know, the bow before me. And the crowd just answering his energy with the same level of energy. And... It's a crazy, crazy thing. But again, just from that sample and and knowing from that uh, assembled thing that they did for Shang-Chi about the crazy COVID-delayed production of of that Destin Daniel Crichton film, this is going to be a fun book. But again, uh, from HarperCollins, May 3rd of this year, and you can pre-order it now. Anyway, we, we were mentioning earlier Bob Chapek and him making that interesting data point comment, which Set off Samu, who, you know, jumped on social media. And again, this interesting experiment, data point comment, his response was, we're not an experiment. We are the underdog, the underestimated. We are the ceiling breakers. We are the celebration of culture and joy that will persevere after an, an embattled year. We are the surprise. I'm fired the F up to make history on September 3rd. And and they did with Chang chi But when you talk with folks at Marvel about, Bob Chapek, and everybody's like, look, you gotta give the guy a chance. Iger hands the job off to him just as the pandemic is getting underway. And he, he had the most difficult year in or years in show business history to guide Disney. And he's only just now really been able to fully take up the reins. But at the same time, a Marvel insider shared this with me again to the effect if you look back at bob chapek's career it's true he has made disney a lot of money over the years but he honestly doesn't have all that much experience when it comes to dealing with actors and creatives you know when bob was working at walt disney studios home entertainment his big claim to fame was that he was the guy who launched the air buddies home premiere you ever seen these films, Aaron? It's All the right, ones. wait a minute.
1: He said his claim to fame was? I think that's the reason that he gets a beat down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but but here's the thing. The Air Buddies movies, uh, where, again, it's a bunch of golden lab puppies that talk, that go on adventures. They travel into space so they can explore a haunted house or, or dress up as superheroes. They don't cost all that much to make because again you you have to hire 30 puppies and then you have to you know have somebody with <laughs> with a piece of baloney just off camera you know take it look this way you know and then we'll use the cg to use them and they made money hand over fist so they made like 10 or 11 of these things but see this is the problem that this is Peck's experience with actors and creatives figuring that if he tells them to sit and stay, that they'll sit and stay. Does he keep a packet of bologna in his pocket? (laughs) I don't think that works with Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett, just this past uh, December, and the talking after the settlement, just looked back at her legal battle with Disney and and flat out said, look, I think it's important in general to know your own worth and to stand up for yourself. In this industry, I've I've been working for such a long time, it's been almost 30 years, and there's so much that shifted over these 30 years. I I think sometimes before, maybe you would feel, oh gosh, if I stand up for myself, I might never work again, or I might get blacklisted in some way. Thankfully, that's changing in the zeitgeist. And honestly, I think that if the entertainment industry is actually going to change, someone needs to lead that charge. And I don't think Scarlett thought that when she filed that, so she'd necessarily be leading a charge. And I honestly think that Bob Chapek never expected to be cast as the villain. One of the things that
1: you had mentioned is uh, with with speaking with Len is how Mm -hmm. their legacy is sometimes rather defined by the very first couple of things that they put in in development kind of indicates the direction of the company that they'll take over their, Mm -hmm. their tenure there. Uh, do you have any bets on, like, something you think uh, Mr. Chapek would would be all about green lighting? Like, oh, that's right up his alley, this type of thing, whether it be a specifically branded ride, a, a product, a movie, uh, any anything that you see?
0: I'm blanking the name of the young adult novel series that Lucasfilm—they uh, they, they announced with great fanfare at the last D23 that this— Lucasfilm had acquired this young adult series. Mm. And the interesting thing is, within like the last two months, it was revealed that Disney had let the rights to this property lapse. So it was no longer going to be produced by Lucasfilm. It was going to be produced by Paramount. And circling back to Air Buddies, Air Buddies made a lot of money. And so let's make more Air Buddies. And it's like, Think about it. A Bob Chapek is at Disney as the Mandalorian phenomenon blows up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone on the planet needs a Grogu. If you're a Bob Chapek, it's the whole notion of, it's like, well, let's make more of that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what about the the young adult thing that we bought that we're going to diversify? And it's like, This is not a time to diversify, you know, you know, this, like the, the audience just told you, I love this cheeseburger, go make more cheeseburgers. And as
1: as I'm scrolling and I'm seeing all of the fry gifts saying, take my money for the Grogu, I'm, I'm thinking we make the Grogu. That's what I'm thinking. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's the thing I think, you know, and what kind of concerns me is that a Bob Chapek is like, look, we're a publicly held company. We have a responsibility to our shareholders. We have our responsibility to the investment community. We're here to make money. But that's a thing of you know. If you look at the the actual Disney legacy, it's like okay, but you were creative and you were innovative and you, you right. took risk. You you that's you the downside
1: story. of it. Seems like you're now taking the safe route. You're no longer innovating. You're just cash grabbing what was popular. But like what after that's done, mm-hmm. what what do you have to cash grab next? Because you didn't innovate in between those two periods. Uh, but
0: you you bring up an interesting point, and I keep hearing. From friends to the effect that it, a lot of people at the studio are bringing a lot of projects to Bob because, again, right. in much the same way that Michael Eisner defined himself by, it's like, okay, you know, we're going to be the ones who actually do Roger Rabbit. We're going to do this live-action animated film that, mm. that's impossible. Bob's supposedly looking for his, so we'll see what happens. And again, just to be fair, that that anybody who took over a major company, entertainment company like Disney at the time of COVID, was going to be challenged. And speaking of of COVID, we're going to talk about some other challenges that Disney is facing, especially when it comes to Marvel films and promotion in the, the coming year.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
0: I'm just gonna lay this out here, <laughs> you know. Uh, I can I can was- handle it if, if you don't want to do it. I can I can do the intro and all that. Please explain to the nice people what the title of this next segment is. We're gonna call this.
1: Is this too dirty for mud? Oh. And uh, as we do our weekly scrounging for news articles and whatnot, some things come up that are uh, a- a tangential sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like an actor from the Marvel Universe is involved in a story that may not necessarily be Marvel-related, but it's still interesting in, in the context of the story. So uh, one of those situations came up, but it's a touch on the blue side, and I really don't want to force blue material on our nice squeaky clean listening audience. Cause I understand sometimes children listen and we don't want to, mm. we don't want to offend. So I figured we'll, we'll create a game out of it and we'll say, is it too dirty for mud? And uh, I'll read a headline to, to Jim. And uh, if Jim approves, we'll talk about it. If he says, no, I don't think we want to talk about that on mud. You will then hear John Cleese say, enough of something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Here's our headline, Jim, for your approval sebastian stan underwent a lot of things to play tommy lee in the hulu series pam and tommy including prosthetics Do we talk about it i got questions can we talk about it
0: well okay this is sebastian Stan, of course you know that did such a, a wonderful job in the, the winter soldier sure, sure. and and uh, more to the point this is also hulu which disney has a financial interest in and
1: Sounds like we're talking about it. All right. I think we're talking
0: about it. Okay. Here, here we go. Uh, here and, we go.
1: Again, I'm going to try and keep it as squeaky clean as possible. Cause we'll we'll dance on the edge, but we won't cross the line. Okay. Uh, so Sebastian Stan had to had to undergo some prosthetics. Now here's the the real question. Like, you wouldn't be in the situation unless there's a a difference worth discussing. I mean, if it were just like a an inch difference, they'd be like, ah, close enough. You know, we'll we'll let it slide. Mm-hmm. But this has to be a, a rather significant difference in order it to necessitate a prosthetic addition. So I don't know. Jim, we've been using Zendaya as a unit of measurement. I think we might have to change to a unit of
0: stands. Is, is that allowed? Can we do that? <laughs> I will just float one idea here that, that yeah. you know, we were talking about Mark Wahlberg and how he's in Uncharted. Yeah, with, he went through Tom. that, right? With Boogie Nights. He did, with yeah. Boogie Nights. And it's just, if you're a Sebastian Stan, do you do you call a Mark Wahlberg and, and ask?
1: Like, did you take your, your give your guy a tip? Well, I mean, I know you gave him the tip, but. Did- <laughs> okay, well, there we are. All right. All right. Well, Welcome to, to cl- the edge, because <laughs> we just walked past it. Okay, to, moving to close. on. Okay. <laughs> We'll just say hooray for being uh, cast in an awesome role. Sorry it required so much makeup work. Not talking about the tattoos. There
0: we go. There we go. Okay. Also, obviously, that show has been in the news. And actually, I I was surprised to see what good reviews it got. I want to say The Hollywood Reporter and Variety both were surprised that Ms. James' performances. As Pamela, and mm-hmm. likewise, I guess Sebastian has, has done a decent job as well. But mm-hmm. speaking of, of entertainment news, did you see where we now have confirmation that season two of Loki will be shooting this summer over in London? Yes. And if I'm working the math right here, that will mean uh, this limited series won't be showing up Disney Plus till spring of 2023. And if they follow the template of the first season of Loki, June 9th through July 14th, that actually ends two weeks before Ant Man and Quantum Mania, or Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania debuts. Mm. And this is where we met Jonathan. Um, I am blanking his last name. Majors. Jonathan Majors, yes. The big bad, so to speak. Our last shot from Loki, mm. we're back in the TVA and we had those giant statues of Kang. So. You kind of wonder it, it's Jonathan Majors going to show up in Loki season two, so they can then just slide straight in with that character into Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Yeah, I mean, I really was not
1: expecting that even as a possibility because I was just mm-hmm. expecting that Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania would be the next thing, mm-hmm. uh, opportunity that allowed for Kang to show up somehow but mm-hmm. to have loki season 2 show up weeks before that that mm-hmm. could possibly lead straight into it and then the other question it was going to be were they going to use loki anywhere else in within the confines of the MCU in any other creative ways because we do have other movies and and TV shows that will be showing up in between here and there the fact that you can get two seasons of a thing, like, I totally do not expect a season two of WandaVision, simply because mm-hmm. Vision is no longer in the equation at the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, it could be a Wanda show, mm-hmm. or it could be some other permutation of of WandaVision, but not WandaVision season two. I don't think that can possibly happen anymore. So, uh, mm. yeah, Loki, too, just picking up and, and carrying on where season one left off and then lead into Quantum Mania. because really, like if we if we've got a villain for Doctor Strange and we've got a villain for, you know, all the other movies in between here and there, uh, mm. y- you got to find a way to get Kang in there somehow without you want some character development. You don't want him just to show up in a movie as the, the villain and then get defeated right away and never show up again. You know, so, uh, the fact that we're able to find a way to utilize them more, hopefully not that I know anything about Loki
0: season two, but hopefully
1: he'll end up being in it
0: somewhat. I don't know if you saw this past week, Evangeline Lilly, who plays Hope Van Dyne and the Wasp in these Peyton Reed films. Making news for the wrong reasons. Well, she tweeted out, or actually this was to her 2.2 million Instagram followers. She was talking about how she supports bodily sovereignty and basically said that, you know, no one should ever be forced to inject their body with anything against their will. This is not the way, this is not safe. This is not healthy. And, you know, I understand the world is in fear, but I don't believe that answering fear with force fixes our problems. And I was pro-choice before COVID and I was pro-choice afterwards. And, David Dashmachain, who actually appears in the Ant-Man movies, seemed to call her out about Ms. Lilly's COVID-related comments. He took the social media and said, it's so unfortunate when people with a large platform use that platform to share responsible things. And we were just talking about Samuel Lu, And he also got on social media. And seemingly in a direct response to Ms. Lilly's Instagram post, didn't go directly ladder, but said to the media that, that they should stop spotlighting the opinions that are not rooted in facts or science. I lost my grandparents to COVID last year. They were still waiting for their vaccines. And I, I'm fortunate to have been double vaccinated and boosted. When I got COVID two weeks ago, it felt like a cold. But I bring this up because the point of a media event is you know to get people excited to come out to a movie or to watch a TV show or to buy that book or whatever it is. But there's sort of this conversation or an understanding that to get access to the creatives, to the actors, to that sort of thing, you have to make nice. You know, you have to be polite. You have to ask the right questions. And what's always interesting about when you go to one of these things, sometimes it's it's just inferred, but sometimes you literally are told that this performer will not be asking or answering questions about their private life, and they won't be talking about the film they made previously that bombed at the box office or that sort of thing. I mean, you're literally told this by the PR folks, and there's a consequence if you choose to ignore this. And I bring this up because just last night, MJ, the musical, which is a brand new jukebox musical that's built around the song catalog of Michael Jackson opened the Neil Simon theater in New York and they had a red carpet and Michael Appler from variety was on the carpet. And he was actually asking members of the cast about the allegations that have been made about Michael Jackson. And, you know, for the past 30 years, And after several members of the cast gave thoughtful responses, a representative from the show's producers came up to Appler and said, I've been hearing you're asking difficult questions. And not an opening night. If you want to ask real questions, you can schedule an interview with the cast. And with that, Michael was actually escorted out of the red carpet area. I bring this up because this November... We've got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. They're filming right now in Atlanta to finish up the scenes that Letitia was featured in that they had to suspend production for 10 weeks because, of course, she she was injured on the set during when they were shooting that stunt back in August in Worcester, Massachusetts. During that same time, word got out from other members of the cast that while Wakanda Forever had been in production, she had been showing other members of the cast an anti-vax video. And so I'm kind of fascinated by what happens now going into, we have these two high profile Marvel films coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and in both cases, you have two actresses who have, you know, well, in one case, you know, it's kind of a, he said, she said, you know, the effect of because the source of, for the Letitia Wright, any story, it's coming off of the set without any attribution. It's just, you know, literally other cast members said that she showed this video. It's easy to deny, deny. but on the other hand, Evangeline Lilly literally put this out there online. Now, mind you, when she's been confronted on this sort of stuff in the past, she's actually gone on social media to apologize. For example, very early on, she was dismissing coronavirus as a respiratory flu. But she then, when she got pushed back, she got on social media and apologized for her what she called her arrogant comments. <laughs> I thought I was in, infusing calm into the hysteria. I see now that I was projecting my own fears into an already fearful and traumatic situation.
1: So for for one, uh, you've got a problem with Kevin Feige because he doesn't want to fire these people over this. Nope. No, So uh, I have it under good authority that he is working on Captain America Civil War Part 2, where the heroes are divided on whether they get the jab or not, and uh, they come up with the COVID Accords, much like the Sokovia Accords but uh it requires all heroes to either get a jab or wear a mask and uh and then a battle ensues on on uh, whether they want to wear a mask and for what reason is it to hide your identity or to keep other people safe cuz I'll wear a mask to hide my identity but I will not wear one to keep you safe mister my identity rights body thing argument <laughs>
0: was oh, was about to say and that <laughs> film will do exactly half the box office of the original you know i don't uh, know if right. you get
1: tom cruise to come in as a reincarnated iron man because we all know a good cameo will boost your numbers there we go and tom cruise there doesn't have anything go. anything going on because all his movies are put on ice for another two or three years by the way he should just start rolling on mission impossible 9 and 10 while he's waiting for him to come out he's going to end up like prince after he dies he's going to have mission impossible movies released every two years after his death for the next 10 years
0: <laughs> well it's interesting you you bring up the pushback because deadline had a wonderful uh, somebody sent in a joke to the effect about Top Gun Maverick you know and I, I think that also managed to get pushed back as well and it would talk it was making the joke to the effect of that movie has been pushed back so often at this point they should be flying biplanes <laughs> all right well anyway folks so that is gonna do it for this week's mud Erin can you tell the nice people? where they can find you yes
1: and I, I have to warn you i have kidnapped a beautiful puppy from a loving family and if you want this puppy returned to this family i require 12 yes 12 new twitter followers at Prod. be quick about it people the puppy's happiness <laughs> depends on it
0: wow okay do you, do you remember you the know. old was
1: it was it, cracked or ma- no, it was a cracker matt no no it it it's a natural lampoon if you you... Buy this magazine or the dog
0: gets it I have that magazine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: wow. That's okay. where that bit that, comes that, from. I, Thank you. I, I love that callback. Okay, well, okay. Uh, for us on, on the social media side, uh, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. I should also mention we have some other podcasts here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We've got uh, Disney Dish with Len Testa. Likewise, we have Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. If you could perhaps do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend Marvelous Disney, that would be helpful. If you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. And I guess that's going to do it for this week. And again, now i got to go to a movie theater and look at William Defoe's teeth. So hopefully you folks have just as entertaining a weekend and we'll be back soon.